Welcome to the Underground Podcast, the student ministry of Riverside Community Church. We are happy to have you listening in this week. Y'all are like fired up tonight. I I love it. I love it. Sometimes, not really you, but like other times I'll go speak at groups and and people will just be like not going. But tonight, you got all good? You good? Okay. Well, okay. Maybe I overspoke. Okay. Um. No, it's great to be with you guys. I remember the first time that I ever spoke on this stage was a little bit over a year ago, and I just kind of shared um, the story of our, of our family and the story that where God had kind of brought us to and the journey that he had taken us on, and people were very, very kind. I remember I, I came down after I was done in both services, and, and people were very, very kind, but I saw one lady that was kind of off to the side over here, and you could clearly tell she was waiting, and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. One more person to say how grand I am. And I remember I waited for her, and she came up to me, and she goes, I listened, I listened to your message today. And that's like the first time I'd ever preached in my life. And she goes, um, there's a couple things I'd, I'd tell you. Uh, first of all, you talk about TV shows a lot. And I was like, <laughs> that's kind of my thing. Um, and I go, oh, yeah, sorry about that. I didn't know to apologize or, or what. And then she goes, you know what? The other thing you said is that you don't know anything about the Bible, which was not entirely accurate. I said I felt like there were people that knew more of the Bible than I did. And, and she goes, well, can I tell you, here's a helpful hint for you that you might want to remember. Um, in order to know more about the Bible, you should probably read the Bible more. And I was like, hmm, yeah, that's how, that's how it works. And she goes, the other thing I would tell you is go home tonight and get rid of all your TVs. Because apparently you watch too much TV rather than reading the Bible. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. But you know, I say all that because I remember I walked out of here, and I'm one of those people, and my wife is kind of the same thing. Like, you could have 99 good things that happen to you, but, like, the one bad thing, you kind of latch onto that. Anybody else like that? Like, you disregard all those other things. You're my people right there. Because, you see, tonight we're going to talk about the vampire of critical people. Those kind of negative forces in your life, those people. Now, I want to just kind of preface this. There's a difference between constructive criticism and just criticism, criticism. So, for instance, sometimes people come up to me and they'll do things. And I know it's coming from a place of, man, I just want to help you. Hey, think through this. And I love that. There's other times where people come up to me. And if you remember, if you were at Abandon, I cut like all my hair off. If you were around back in the day. Thank you, Savion. Thank you. And somebody came up to me shortly thereafter, the next week I was here at church, and they're like, they just kind of looked at me. They hadn't seen me with my haircut, and they're like, you look like a cancer patient. And I was like, okay, calm down, all right? That's not really constructive criticism. I'm not going to change my life. But I'll tell you, sometimes it's important, and I want to tell you, never ignore the impact of constructive criticism. You know, there are times where I'll, I'll speak up here on a Wednesday night and someone will come up to me, somebody that I love, somebody that has my best interest in heart, and they say, man, that was a great message. The only thing was, man, you didn't really finish that story. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Or somebody will say, what was that scripture again? Because you didn't really mention it and I missed it on the screen. And I'll take that. But there's other times where people will keep track of how many times I say certain words. And then they'll come up to me and they're like, do you know you said 
you know, 67 times. I was like, oh, thank you. I don't know what to do with that, but I'll try to work on, on my communication skills a little bit better. But you see, constructive criticism is good. Is good. You want that in your life. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 15, it says, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. So if you want to be wise, listen to those things. Listen to those people who are trying to make you better. You see, I always know my constructive criticism, the number one person, is when I'm up here, I will just look at Rach. Because that's my constructive criticism. If I say something and she smiles really big, I know I'm golden. If I look back and I say something and her face kind of goes, and she slides down in her chair, I'm like, oh, crap. That ain't good. Like, I know, okay, I probably shouldn't say that again. You know, today, a couple days ago, um, Nigel, who's our, our keys player, I told you about him. He was, I love Nigel. He's up in junior high. He's up in junior high right now. He's, he's absolutely amazing. And at about, like, 1.15 in the morning, he sent me, like, this long text message. And it was awesome. This young man, he has such a heart for this church, and he has such a heart for underground. And he just kind of said some things that were on his heart. And it was nothing I took personally. It was kind of things, hey, think about this. And I met with him today, and we had an amazing conversation about things that he's like, man, have you ever thought about this? And I took that to heart. And there's so many things that I left that meeting not feeling like, man, I was beaten down. But, man, I'm so excited about what's to come. Because, you see, you need those people in your life. Those people who are going to be honest with you that are going to come from a place of love. You see, it came from a place of love. It came from a place of passion where he just wants to make this church, this ministry, the best it can possibly be. You see, constructive criticism can be helpful, but you see, what about the rest? Last week we talked about Moses. And we talked about how Moses dealt with jealousy. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you, check out the podcast because it will kind of talk to you a little bit about this man that you may feel like you know a lot about. But we looked at new, different ways. And even as I was preparing for this week, I kept coming back to Moses. In fact, if you go back in the Old Testament, there are 14 different instances of times where people, or specifically the Israelites, were critical to Moses. You see, it wasn't just a one-time thing. The Israelites did it over and over. They questioned him. They were negative over and over. And I think it's so true in our life because I wish I could tell you that negativity and criticism only happens once and it's done. However, I've lived a life where there have been people that have come and gone in my life where it's something I constantly have to deal with, negative people in my life. You see, for Moses, criticism came from every direction. And if he hadn't dealt with it the right way, it could have destroyed him if he hadn't learned how to overcome it. And so today, in our time remaining, in our short time remaining, so I can get you where you need to go in 20 minutes or less, which will never happen. Tonight, we're going to look at four times that Moses dealt with negativity, with criticism, because I think these four ways that we're going to look at today can really help us as we go. And so today, we're going to be in a couple different books of the Bible, starting off with Exodus. So if you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus, the second book in the Bible, so go to Genesis and then go right to Exodus. Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. And here's what it says. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. 
Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. So the first thing that we can look at Moses' life is how he dealt with criticism. Number one, Moses waited for God to provide a solution. Moses waited for God to provide a solution. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I have a hard time waiting for things. I really do. I'm not very patient. I love when I get to go to Chicago because I can drive like a maniac and I can honk my horn at people that don't drive as fast as me. When I do that in Pekin, I scare little old ladies, so I try not to do that. But I have a hard time waiting. My wife and I, we have Mondays off together. We send the kids, and and we call it Special Monday in our house because it's just our time together. Kept that clean. Um, But we love our Mondays together. And so oftentimes we'll go out for lunch together. And we went to one of our favorite places a few weeks ago, and we sat there, and the lady brought us our menus. And then it took her forever to come back and get our drink order. And then she never brought the drinks back. And I, I saw all these other people coming, and she was waiting on these other tables. And I said to Rach, if she doesn't come in about one more minute, I'm, I'm out of here. And legit, like, I was counting it down, like, 60, 59, 50. Like, I'm a really great lunch date, obviously, to have. And I was just stewing there, and the lady finally came, and it was fine. But I have a hard time waiting. Even yesterday, I had to talk to, you know, my cousin, Sarah, who, who's the worship leader up here. I had something really important to kind of talk to her and I have a conversation. And so as I was driving back into Pekin, now I'll tell you, I was not in the best mood because uh, Rach texts me and she goes, how much do you love me? Which you also have to respond back, oh man, I love you so much, more than I could ever say in a text. And uh, she didn't respond back and so then I FaceTimed her and I was like, what's, what's going on? She goes, well, I locked my keys in the car. And I need you to come and help me get the keys out. And I'm supposed to be at work. And it's really embarrassing because she does hair. And she's like, I have to have my client come and pick me up at our house to, like, take me to the salon. And she felt really bad about it. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. I'll come pick you up. I'll go get the kids. So as I've been driving back into Pekin, I, I, I called Sarah. And, and I have, I didn't even, yeah, I do. I keep complaining. If you were here last week, I get really jealous of people that are getting, like, the new iPhone because I have, like, the junkiest iPhone ever. Like, so much so, like, I could leave it here and I could play a song and I could barely hear it. Anybody else have a speaker like that that's just, like, shot? Thank you, Derek. We're kindred spirits. And, and so, thank you. Now, in our really sexy old minivan, there's no, like, Bluetooth in it. So I can hook it up and I can listen through aux or whatever, but we don't have that fancy thing. So, I was talking to Sarah, and I did that thing where it was charging, and I'm, like, holding it up, trying to listen to her and talk to her, which I know is a no-no, correct? So I pick up Rach. It's fine. I'm still having the conversation with Sarah. We go to, we stop at this stop sign, and Rach goes, oh, there's a cop coming. I was like, yeah, so what? And um, you can kind of see where this is going. And I see the cop, and he goes by the stop sign, and he just kind of turns. And I thought, oh, I'm sure he's probably going for something really important, like a bank robbery or something. And he's just clearly waiting there for something. 
So I turn out like I'm going. Um, and if I'm really honest with you, because you know you get honesty from me, the lights go on, and he comes over, and, and you know, there's some people in Pekin that really know me, and so my first instinct was to be like, I kind of know his boss. Like, I'm on city council. Like, I kind of pay for his bosses. Like, I write his check. I kind of write that guy's check. Like, I sign up. Um, so everything in me, like, I wanted to be like, oh, I was just heading down to city hall to talk to your boss, police chief Dossie. But I got very convicted of that because I tell you guys all the time, like, to be honest, be, have integrity and all that stuff. And God convicted me, so I didn't say that. So he pulled me over and he goes, uh what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I was talking to my cousin. She's stupid. Um, no, just kidding. I love her. I love her. There she is back there. I say that. But I learned a good lesson that, you know, sometimes it's hard to wait, but sometimes you have to. And I say that because I had a nice, long, scrolling ticket that was waiting for me. I'm not going to tell you how much it is. I won't be going to Chipotle for about two months. Um, but I learned that, that's, I say all that because it's hard for me to wait. It really is because I don't know about you, but you're, many of you, raise your hand if you have like a Netflix account or you borrow somebody's Netflix account, like you steal that or whatever. About Netflix back in the day, I don't know if you know this, but it wasn't just all like streaming. Netflix started off as like a mail order kind of thing where they would send you m- movies in the mail. So you would go on their website and if you wanted to watch like, the Wizard of Oz, which is like the weirdest movie just to throw. That's how old I am. Were you around when the Wizard of Oz was around, Pastor Michael? Yes, I was. Um, and so you would like order the movie, and then it would take you like three or four days to get, and you would just had to wait for the movie to come. Now y'all are so spoiled, all right? You want to binge watch, I'm not going to say the show that I said like three weeks ago because people got offended by that. If you want to watch any kind of other like Netflix original that's not about five dudes who do makeovers, um, You can go find that show and you can watch it instantly. But back in the day, we had to wait on stuff. You see, I was just talking to a couple people the other day who I love very, very much. And they're both in in similar situations. And they're just waiting on God to kind of show up and give them some direction in their life and what that kind of looks like. And I'll tell you, it's hard to wait. It's hard to wait in that season. But that's what Moses did in that moment. He waited on God to provide a solution And even now, I've followed Jesus for a long time, and it's still hard for me, even though he's done amazing things in my life, even when I've waited on him, it's still really difficult because sometimes God doesn't always answer prayers. He doesn't give us direction necessarily on on our timetable. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit of time, and sometimes when he does answer those questions or he does give you direction, it's not what you expected or it's not what you ever even wanted. You see, this role that I'm in right now was something I never expected. And to be honest with you, it wasn't something I ever even wanted. I never had this dream when I was an eight-year-old kid. I want to be a pastor one day. But you see, God had a different plan for my life. And we stepped into what that was. And when we waited on God, he gave us a clear direction for myself and my wife and our family. But you see, if we keep going, jumping ahead to Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, It goes on to say, then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. The voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to the country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground 
before the whole community of Israel. You see, very similar to what we talked about last week. Number two, Moses prayed about it. You see, there's something very similar. Every time you read about Moses and Aaron, it often says that they fell face down. They took their issues, their circumstances, their situations to God. You see, the thing that was similar in all 14 of these situations when they ran into conflict or criticism against them is that Moses always, that was his first response. That was his first instinct. Many of you know me that oftentimes when somebody does something or say something to me, oftentimes my first instinct is not to get down and pray for that person. My first instinct is I want to go and rip their face off. (laughs) Thank you, Derek. Again, this is why we're kindred spirits. You see... I say I want to rip their face off, but I'm a good Christian, so here's generally what I do. I will go find a verse, like a good Christian, and I will post it on my story, and it'll generally be something like, love your enemies, and you're like, oh, this verse is so fitting for me right now, post, and then you feel better about yourself. But that's what we do. You know, when Moses was here, that was his first instinct, was to pray. And can I give you just a piece of advice that I see happen more and more Don't deal with private issues on a public platform. And what I mean by that is that sometimes we like to air all of our dirty laundry on social media. And listen, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. Many of you were friends all over social media. You see some of my stuff. I see lots of your stuff. But you see, I say that because my family has ran into this. You know, a a couple summers ago, we did that whole Orlando vacation where you go hang out with Disney, you see Mickey Mouse, you eat with princesses, and you spend about $72,000. And we went, and not only did we do the Disney thing, we did the Universal kind of thing. Because two birds with one stone, I don't want a game show, let's do it. And and so we went to Universal Orlando, which I'm just going to tell you, I love. And I also was a fan of... I'll just say it up front, michael.richison at riversidepeoria.com. I grew up on a certain collection of seven books called Harry Potter. Oh, <laughs> calm down. Um, you're in church. Uh, we don't cheer for Harry Potter. Um, Watch the movies. And so we went to, like, the wizarding world of Harry Potter, and it was amazing. Our kids love it. Even Pastor John loved it. So I'll just say that up front. If Pastor John likes it, it's, he's, like, this far down from Jesus. Um, So we went and we took a picture in front of Hogwarts. It was amazing. We had like the greatest day. It was amazing. We wanted to frame it, all that kind of stuff. And legit, like three hours later, Rach goes, look at this. And somebody had written the nastiest comment about taking our kids to see like Harry Potter stuff. And I'm not telling you right or wrong. That's between you and your parents and all that kind of stuff. Um, But we went and it was like the worst thing ever. And it was like on there for everybody to see. And the worst part about it was, like, there was, like, two people that liked it. And you're like, oh, gosh, here we go. But I just remember how, like, as a family, we were just like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? We're just trying to take, like, our kids on a, on a nice vacation. I love the butterbeer. Like, I'm, it's not alcoholic. Calm down. Um, it's not. Clay, we had butterbeer. Right. It's good, right? It's like cream soda. Um, but, like, we just loved it. And it was one of those things. But so often we have this need to air all of our dirty laundry. And one of the things that I always try to do is... I remember my mom saying, like, to kill people with kindness. Have you ever heard that phrase, kill them with kindness? So when people are mean to me, I always try to go above and beyond just to be kind to them. 
So, like, sometimes they do this thing called subtweeting. Like, I have a Twitter account. And sometimes, like, I know it's hard to believe. Like, people have, like, tweeted things that I know they haven't tagged me in it, but I kind of know they're talking about me. The, my favorite thing in the world to do is I like to retweet it. Like, I'm just like, oh, you're talking about me? I'm just going to retweet it. And it, like, drives people crazy. Or, like, sometimes people, like I said, will, will post a verse, and you're kind of like, oh, I just kind of had a falling out with that person, and I think that probably is about me. And I'm like, hashtag first like. Like, I love it, because it drives them absolutely crazy. Like, I love doing stuff like that. Not as vindictive, but I try to kind of rise above those kind of things. You see, I have people in my life that drive me absolutely crazy. I'll just tell you that right now. And so sometimes it is a struggle. It is hard. But you see, sometimes our first response is not to come to Jesus and say, help me out in this. You see, how often... Do we try to do things on our own? How often do we make prayer our last resort instead of our first priority? But you see, that's what Moses did. Anytime he faced criticism, that was his first instinct, was just to get on the ground, face down, and just pray. If we continue on in Numbers chapter 20, it says, There was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with all our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle. Point three. Moses dismissed unfair criticism. Moses dismissed unfair criticism. He knew that what they were saying had nothing to do with him. It wasn't a direct reflection of his choices or anything he decided to do. You see, many of you know, I I was not that cool kid in in high school. Shocking. And I remember I was in, I was that kid with the inhaler. And so I did a lot of, like, school productions. Hashtag, I was like that drama kid. Um, thank you. I love, you're my, you're my people. And I remember this one time we were in this production, and there was this girl that she kind of sucked the life out of you. She was very critical. She was very jealous. Basically, this whole entire series could be about this girl that I was around in high school. And I remember one day she had these, this big bag of gummy bears that she had bought from a candy store. And one day she had come back from after she had, we had practiced this scene and she had come back and somebody had eaten her gummy bears and she blamed it on me, naturally. I mean, why wouldn't you? Because I like candy. Um, and she's like, I know it was Michael. I know it was Michael. And I was like, I didn't do it. Like, I would tell you if I ate your gummy bears, like smell my breath. And, and she just blamed me for it. And there was a, a teacher during that time and the teacher just really didn't like me. It's hard to believe that there's anybody in this life that would not like me. Um, but she really didn't. I, I, I was kind of a smart aleck kid. I didn't always do the best that I possibly can. And she knew. She's like, I know it was you. And I got a detention for a week because I'd eaten this girl's gummy bears. And I remember when she wrote out the detention slip, I had kind of two choices. I could have ripped her to shreds, which is what I really wanted to do. Or I could have bit my tongue. And shockingly, I chose the second. Because you see, at that time, God was working on my attitude. God was kind of teaching me some things 
about how I responded to people who had kind of harmed me or people that treated me not quite right. And this was a verse I read all the way back in high school that stuck with me. First Peter 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 23. It said, He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Can I tell you today, don't give people more power than they deserve. There's people in our lives sometimes, and we're so concerned about their opinions. We're so concerned about what they think about us. You see, we oftentimes elevate the opinion of others over the opinions of God. And it's hard. I was in high school many, many years ago when the Wizard of Oz was cool. You see, becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. You see, in that moment, I had two options. I could have gone off on the girl. I could have gone off on the teacher, and I didn't. And it's rare because I often did that. You see, but I had the opportunity to go back to my high school last year, and I got to speak, and Mitchell Whitman gave, like, the most amazing introduction. I'm just taking him around wherever I go because I'm not worthy of the introduction he gave me. But that teacher was still there all these years later, and she came up to me with like tears in her eyes. And I didn't even think she was human, like for real. I I thought she was just like a miserable old woman. And she came up to me with tears in her eyes and she goes, I remember you you when you were here. And she goes, it's amazing what God's done in your life. And she goes, man, this was an awesome morning. Thank you for sharing. And you see, it took me back to that time and, and I don't know what her life has been like, But that was like the greatest compliment anybody could give me because I remember during that time, she wasn't a fan of mine. And had I gone off on her, Lord only knows, she probably would never have talked to me again. But I always tried to remember how I handle those people that are a little bit difficult, that are a little bit, treat us unfairly, critical people. Last part, Numbers chapter 21, verses four through nine. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There's nothing to eat here, nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snake. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Last one, number four. Moses cared for people who sucked the life out of him. You see, in this passage, there were snakes. If you look in this passage, there were snakes who truly did suck the life out of them. But even in that moment, he was obedient to God. He called out, he prayed for those people, and God intervened. God said, hey, do this. Anybody who's bitten will look at this snake and be healed. You see, be the bigger person, even when it's hard. You see, the more you rise above the criticism, 
the closer you are to Jesus. The more you rise above those things that people say, the more you're acting like Jesus. You see, wherever you go. This weekend, I had an amazing, fun-filled kind of weekend. And can I tell you, some people saw posts and Instagram stories, and, and they didn't really think it was as great of a weekend as what I thought. You see, it's very difficult because I'm a people pleaser. I want people to know something about me. And, and it was hard for me because I know my intentions were true and pure and where I was and what I did and all that kind of stuff. But other people didn't see it. And, and come back Sunday because I'm actually going to use a little bit of a story from this weekend to illustrate something that God's kind of been doing in my life. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You see, in that moment, Jesus had every right to lose his mind over the people. The people who were seeing mean things to him, the people that were treating him disrespectfully, But can I tell you, in that moment, Jesus showed the ultimate definition of love. He went to the cross for you and for me and for those people who are treating him so harshly. You see, for us, it's hard to love people. It's hard to love people who criticize us, those people that suck the life out of us. You see, and sometimes it's very easy to worry more about what people think than what God thinks about us. You see, I wrote this down the other day. People's attitude about me will never change God's acceptance of me. You see, when you start worrying about what people think about you, you lose sight of what God has said about you. You see, I wanna leave you with this. In Ephesians chapter one, I love this. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. You see, if you're sitting here tonight And maybe you're around vampires in your life. There are people in your life who are incredibly critical and negative in your life. Or maybe, if you're honest, you're on the flip side of that. Maybe you're the vampire. Maybe you're the person where it's never good enough. You like to pick out people's faults, their flaws. You like to say, well, they're never going to be like me, and so I'm going to focus on whatever I can. Can I tell you, maybe tonight... Start trying to lift people up rather than tearing them down. Can I tell you, that goes against everything that happens in culture these days. You see, in this world right now, we often want to make fun of people. We often want to tear them down. When I think we as believers, we as Christ followers, God's asked us to encourage people, to love people. What if we started seeing people as God sees them. Not as worthless, not as washed up, not as people who have nothing to offer this world, but what if we see them as God sees them, as his child, 
as people who are chosen, people that have a purpose and a destiny for their life. And you see, that's my challenge to you. As you have critical people in your life, and I'll tell you, some of you even tomorrow will walk into situations and this message will be so applicable. I guarantee you. Some of you will text me, you'll DM me and you'll be like, thank you so much for that because here's what I'm dealing with right now. Some of you, it may not even wait till tomorrow. You'll get home and there'll be a family member who just wants to pick on things. You might be at Steak and Shake after this and your friend starts picking on your clothes. Even my daughter tonight, she's like, your shirt and your shoes don't match, dad. I was like, hmm, you're gonna be an illustration of my message tonight. Take that. But that's my prayer for you is that how we deal with people will show the rest of the world who we truly are. Do people see Jesus in you the way you respond to criticism? Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for these students. I thank you for these leaders. I thank you for what you're doing in each and every one of our lives. And so, God, my prayer for all of us is that when those critical vampires come against us, God, that we would look to what Moses did in the Old Testament, that we would take his advice, that we would follow his lead, and even more importantly, God, that we would look at what you did. Even when you were beaten, even when you were lied about, even when people spat in your face, God, you still loved them, you still cared for them, you believed in them, you rose above the fray, and you just poured out compassion on them. And so that's our prayer for each and every one of us, that God, in those opportunities, in those moments, that we would be the bigger person, that we would love people just the way that you love us. And God, I pray for the rest of the night as we move into our time of small groups, God, that you would just help us have some good conversations, that we would continue to build relationships. And, and I know you're already starting to do that in these first couple of weeks. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing in each of our lives. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. To keep up to date with Underground students, follow us on our socials at UndergroundPIA.